Grace is favor given to someone who deserves the opposite. How about we just say it all together? Let's try it. Grace is favor given to someone who deserves the opposite. Anyone here today thankful for God's grace? I am thankful for God's grace in my own life. I've needed his grace in my own life. I'm also thankful to to watch what God's grace is doing in the lives of others. There is nothing that that gets me more excited than to watch a person come to this full understanding of God's love and watch how it radically uh, transforms them, how it overwhelms them. This, This thought of his lavish favor, this lavish favor of a holy God when we realize that we are deserving of the very opposite. It lights my fire. When I see someone who who has been overwhelmed by guilt trade that in for salvation. Someone who has has been just flooded by the sense of shame then become aware of the sense of wonder of their worth Even knowing that that their sins have have completely made them unworthy, their decisions have made them unworthy of even being in the presence of a holy God. And yet this loving God wants to embrace them. I marvel watching people experience this transforming power of God's grace. It really is like, I think, watching what was dead be reborn. And it's all possible. And it's only possible because of God's grace. His favor when we deserved the opposite. These next weeks, uh, we are in this series exploring God's grace. Today we look at a concept we'll call seeking grace. Uh, we're focusing this series, um, kind of it's kind of laid out uh, from a book that David Busick has authored called Way, Truth, Life, Discipleship as a Journey of Grace. Some of you have picked up a copy of this. This is my last copy. If somebody wants this... Um, after the service, it's yours, okay? Uh, They're a lot more expensive than that online. But uh, here's my last copy. But I I encourage you to just really get into this series and really understand what it means to be in the grace of God. If you are familiar with the word discipleship, you probably understand that to mean this process that happens after one's salvation. This process that that you are becoming a disciple of Jesus. You are growing in his likeness. You are are listening to his teachings. You are following the master. You know, you are, are, are being restored to the image bear that you were created to be. The image of God bearing his image to the world and all creation. That's kind of what we understand discipleship maybe to mean. Discipleship is this journey of grace. But if we're honest with ourselves, 
this journey of God's grace doesn't begin at the point where we responded to his grace, does it? See, it, it, it really, grace precedes our salvation. It's God's grace taking the initiative to reach out to us. If we look at God's grace in our own lives, we will undoubtedly have to admit that long before we ever began our pursuit to know God, God was pursuing us. That's grace. Jesus once said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The seeking happens prior to the saving. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Consider your own journey. Even before you ever asked to be forgiven of your sins and committed to follow Jesus as your Savior, it was Jesus pursuing you, was it not? Even before saving grace, there is seeking grace. John Wesley uh, called it prevenient grace. David Busick has has said it this way, prevenient grace simply means that God comes to us before we come to God. That's prevenient grace, or as we're terming it in this series, seeking grace. Prior to us reaching out to God, he was reaching out to us. Have you, have you ever been in a one-way conversation with somebody? I don't know that we could call that a conversation, right? But it's kind of a one-way conversation. That's kind of like it is with God, where, where he is, he is he's trying to talk to us. He's trying to befriend us. He's trying to help us. And he just gets the hand. We don't respond to him. But it is grace, isn't it, for God to just continue to talk to us and and, and urge us and to woo us and to try to help us when we haven't responded. He was reaching out to us long before we ever considered responding. Perhaps you haven't decided to follow Jesus. Maybe you're simply seeking to know more about Jesus before you commit to follow him. And I get that. Last week we talked about those people who kind of stalk Jesus, right? They, they kind of follow at a distance, kind of incognito. Let me follow you for a little while. Make sure that you're somebody I want to follow. Well, seeking grace says God's been stalking you a whole lot longer than you've been stalking him. He loves you. He wants to be with you. The truth is God's seeking grace. Grace has always reached out to you. He's committed to you before you ever even knew about him. The Bible says that it is not God's will that any should perish, but all come to repentance. And therefore, listen, we can know that God is at work even before we see that God is at work. That should encourage someone today. There's a story in Acts chapter 10. There's a beautiful testimony of this concept of seeking grace, that Jesus comes to us before we come to him. I want us to look at this story together. We're not going to have time to look at the whole 
part of the story, but it's in Acts chapter 10. We encourage you to read all of that at some point today. But this is how the story begins. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Before Cornelius, this Roman centurion, ever knew about Jesus, he was a beneficiary of God's seeking grace. You were too. And all are beneficiaries of God's prevenient grace, this seeking grace. But in order for us to help others notice God's activity in our lives, in their lives... There are certain evidences of God's grace at work that I think would help for us to notice. And we see these, I think, in this passage. So here's the first. God's seeking grace is often apparent at the crossroads of life. Cornelius lived in Caesarea. Caesarea was this, this northwestern uh, city, or um, let me say this way, city in the northwestern part of Israel. It was right on the sea. It was a very Roman city. It was named after Caesar himself. It was kind of the, the political capital uh, of that area uh, of Judea. And, and so this, this, whole, this whole region, although the Jews lived there, was really occupied in big part by the Romans. So in this, in this place, you, you had the crossroads, not only because it was a seaport city and there was a lot coming through there, but you had the crossroads of two very different cultures, the Jews and the Gentiles. Very different religions. And so uh, oftentimes there would be uh, something of a clash of creeds. And at other times, it was kind of a melting pot of beliefs. And in this crossroads city, Cornelius at some point has had a crossroads experience. There, there's a, a point of crisis for him where his Roman upbringing and his Jewish influences collide. It's a place of decision for him. And his decision was to become sympathetic to these Jews and sympathetic to their ways and finally sympathetic even to their God. Even though he wasn't a Jew, the allure of God's grace was attractive and he followed in that path. God was at work there. 
we're in agreement there, right? He, he didn't just, oh, I think this is a good way to live. No, God was at work there. That's prevenient grace. That's God's seeking grace. God's prevenient grace in one's life can often be seen in the crises of life. Maybe you've noticed this. Maybe a, a, a conflict that is revealing of God's presence. If you look at your own story of grace, you may, you may be able to name a crossroads where you became more sympathetic to the things of God because of the crisis that you had to go through. Maybe it was a kindness at just the right time. Maybe it was uh, something someone said, something you read, something that got you thinking, that made you sympathetic maybe to this idea that maybe God was sympathetic to your current situation. That's seeking grace. Even before belief, God shows up at the crossroads. Another example of of the evidence of God's grace at work before we ever believe is in curiosity. When, When people begin asking questions about faith, they are taking steps in the grace that God has given I love it when people start asking questions. You know, no atheist just wakes up one day and un- under their own volition says, I think it's probably a good idea to believe in God today. And then start there, does it? A person who does not believe in God comes to faith only by asking questions. And their curiosity. And so I love it when people express their curiosity about God. I love it when people ask me questions. Some of you do that regularly. I love that. Thank you. That's a, that's a, that's a means of me sharing my faith. And, and your curiosity is going to grow your faith. People who, who are asking questions and, and then they start showing up in spaces that they never had visited before. Right? And then they start hanging out longer than they used to. For quite some time, Cornelius had had demonstrated curiosity. He'd learned to align himself to the Jewish traditions. Even though he still would have been considered an outsider, it didn't keep him from drawing as close as possible. Isn't that interesting? A Roman centurion that would be interested in Judaism? Even though he couldn't go to the temple? What's going on there? He's asking questions. He was even curious about Jewish practices of generosity and compassion, putting to work in his own life what he had seen in others. Maybe you're curious about God. Maybe you have questions about Jesus and who he was. Maybe you're, you're curious about the faith. I'm going to tell you something today. The fact that you are curious and that you're asking questions is evidence that there's a loving God pursuing you. That's cool. Maybe you're on the other side. Maybe you say you, you, you have, have someone that is, is asking you questions, asking you questions about church, asking you questions about your beliefs, ask, asking you these kinds of questions. Uh, and, and God is, is at work in that person, and he's using you to help that person by his grace. God's seeking grace shows up at the crossroads in curiosity and oftentimes through companionship. 
If we polled the congregation today, most of us who are followers of Christ could point to someone or multiple people who had influence on us really getting to know Jesus personally. True? I mean, we, we got to know Jesus because somebody kind of helped us get to know Jesus. Never underestimate the value of walking alongside someone in this journey of grace. God uses people who just show up. God uses people who are willing to be present in the crises and at the crossroads of life. God uses companionship to fuel these these fires of curiosity burning in people's lives. God's seeking grace is often expressed through companionship. Though Cornelius might have regularly been kept from these intimate spaces of the Jewish culture, he, he wasn't allowed into the temple, he wasn't allowed maybe into the synagogue, his life would have been constantly being bumped up against these lives of those whose faith in God was rubbing off on him. He was highly esteemed among the Jews, so he was, he was no foreigner to people of faith. And when God graciously revealed himself to Cornelius, Cornelius I love it, didn't waste any time reaching out for companionship. Even to a guy that he had never met who was a Jewish Christian in another town. Companionship is that important. When God, by His grace, seeks us out, He has a way of aligning our lives with the lives of others. Aren't you thankful for the church? This is aligning our lives with the lives of others. Sometimes it's, it's a coworker that he'll align. Sometimes it's a friend, a family member, a spouse. And sometimes, like in Cornelius' case, it's a perfect stranger who can speak grace, God's word, into a person's life. God comes to us, even before we come to him, at crossroads, in curiosity, through companionship, and one more, within conviction. All along this journey of grace, we have decisions. We're making decisions constantly, right? Decisions to say yes to Jesus in this way or that way or the other. And each decision we make to draw closer to him is evidence of God's grace at work in our lives. Conviction is this sense of something that we must do or something we must not do, right? That's what conviction is all about. Those convictions are evidence of God's spirit at work and our response to him. So if you see someone who is going through conviction and they say, I just don't think I should do that, you know where that's coming from? Even when they're not a follower of Jesus, they may have a conviction. Where does that come from? They're not saved. (laughs) It's God's seeking grace at work. Cornelius followed a number of convictions. The conviction to follow the God of the Jews, even though he wasn't... It wasn't his religion. It wasn't the religion of his upbringing. 
He was convinced and convicted to help others, to be generous, to live according to good morals. And he responded to this conviction to, to dial up Peter, you know? Jeff Stark says it this way. Conviction is the grace that begins to align our lives in the kingdom of God before we've made that kingdom our home. It's seeking grace. It's responding to Jesus' teachings even before you'd call yourself his disciple. God's seeking grace is what enables a person to enter into discipleship even before they have acknowledged that Jesus is even Lord. Isn't that cool? <laughs> I don't think God is, is as interested in, 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 in a oh, it's got to happen this way, then it's got to happen this way, and then it's got to happen this way. He really wants you to know his love and come along and allow him to save you completely and sanctify you entirely. That's what he desires. Prevenient grace and discipleship was at work as far back as we can point in the life of Cornelius. By the time Peter enters the story, Cornelius was already under the allure of grace, wasn't he? And so Peter shows up, and what does Peter have to do? He just has to explain what's already going on. Isn't that beautiful? How often is that our story, and we just miss it? We just have to show up in a person's life and explain to them, this is what's going on. God's revealing himself to you. God loves you. God's, God's got a plan and a purpose in place for you. Let's track with him. Could it be that there are people in your life that just need someone to come alongside of them? Who needs you to come alongside them? What if, what if Peter had been unwilling What if Peter had ignored the signs? What if Peter had failed to share the hope of Jesus with Cornelius? You see, there's, there are really two parts of this seeking grace. See, there's this one part when, when, when God expresses his grace to one who he's drawing to himself. That's, that's one part of seeking grace. But the other part of it is when God brings somebody else along to help that person understand what he's doing in his grace. In the same way that he uh, uh, had been working in Cornelius' life to get him ready for this event, he would, had to be working in Peter's life to get him ready for that event. You see how that works? That's God's prevenient grace. That's a part of his seeking grace. We have a part if, we, if we're not on that side of the cross, but we're on this side of the cross, we still have a place in God's prevenient grace. And his grace is still at work in our lives. It's a journey of grace with others who are, who are way ahead of us and those who are way behind us. We journey together on this journey of grace. The day after Cornelius sent some men to go find Peter, Peter has this vision. 
That's quite a vision. If, if you know Acts 10, if, if you're not familiar or become familiar again, read Acts 10 today. But, but this vision is this vision of a, pretty wild, a sheet coming out of heaven. And it's full of all of these animals. And these animals are all animals that the, a good Jew would never eat. And yet this voice from heaven says, kill and eat. It's quite a vision, isn't it? This happens a few times, and, and Peter's like, no, I'm a good Jew, not going to do that. And then the final time, the, the voice says, don't call unclean what God has called clean. And then he says, Peter, there's going to be some guys show up at your door. They're going to be Gentiles. They're going to seem unclean to you, but go with them. I am a part of this. And so he does. And the the rest of the story is, well, you really ought to read the rest of the story, right? Get into Acts chapter 10 later today. Read the rest of the story because that's jumping ahead into, into some of this other that is happening in this journey of grace. But marvelous things happen because of the obedience of Cornelius and Peter. And they meet and what God is doing graciously for us. I love the way that God just sets this up for Cornelius and for Peter. Let me ask you this question. What if you knew that God was already at work in the people's lives around you? What if you knew that? Well, here's some truth. He is already at work in the lives of the people around you. That's who God is. He is is working in people's lives all around you. Now, they may be at different points on that on that, that perspective, right? In receptivity. But he is at work. And so that all we have to do is come alongside what God is already do, doing, discern where he is at work, and say, I'm going to join you in this work. Just like Peter did with Cornelius. David Busick says, says it this way. We never encounter a morally neutral context. I like that. We never encounter a morally neutral context. There is no person who has ever been affected, who, I'm sorry, there's no person who has not, very important word there, been affected by prevenient grace. He goes on to say, God has been faithfully active in their lives long before we arrive on the scene. Yes! That's our God. The same grace that brought you to faith is working in other people's lives. So you don't have to wonder, I wonder if I wonder where where we are here. God is already working in that person's life in some way. Take note of that, discern what God is doing there, and respond in ways that are appropriate. 
I, I think that should encourage us. I really think that should encourage us. Another quote from David Busick, and this, belief in the power of prevenient grace makes it, can we say this? Makes it impossible to despair of anyone who has not become a Christian. Wow. Can we say that? I mean, as long as someone is still living, there is hope is what this is saying. Because God has been at work in that person's life. It makes it impossible for any of us to despair of anyone who has not yet become a Christian. You can participate and be a means of God's grace to someone else. The grace that he has given you can be the grace of God given to others. In all kinds of ways. Grace offered at someone's crossroads. Their place of crisis or conflict. Can be offered gracing people who deserve the opposite at your workplace. Do you know anybody like that? How can you offer grace? Grace, making people curious. Graciously helping them answer their questions. When they, when they come to you and say, why are you, why are you treating me the way you're treating me? I don't deserve that. I was mean. I was rude. I, I know that. Why do you act the way that you do? Make them curious. Get them asking questions about your God, about your beliefs, about your faith. What makes you tick? Grace that you have been given by God to give to others to walk together on this journey of grace no matter where people are on the journey. God is a seeking God. We believe that. Do we believe that? God is a seeking God. He wants everyone to know his love and find freedom in a relationship with him. And he will go to great lengths to convince one person of his love. 